though I feel like a dramatic read by you of Genesis 1-1 would be a great opening. Cray, give it to me. Let me read it. Welcome you to Illuminate. This is Alan, and um, I'm joined tonight by James White. And not only is he a brother, he's also redheaded, so he's a brother in too many ways, almost. And we're talking about the idea of Genesis. Why Genesis? What is a Genesis? And why does that stuff even matter? So James, how you doing? What are your opening thoughts? I don't think we could pick a better location to record such a topic than sitting outside and the starlit night. Yeah, no kidding. Mainly because we, uh, I have kids asleep in my house. And we can't wake them up, but it's very fitting. So Genesis, it's obviously a beginning. And um, I think deep down we all have this question is like uh, we all want to know why. We all want to know what. We want to know who. You know, you want to know all the big questions. How? Well, here's Genesis 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is uh, your beginning. That is uh, my beginning. This is this big blue world's beginning. Uh, every living creature, plant, water, stars, everything in existence. Everything that you probably hear in the background behind us, you know. And um, that's where I always start with any kind of question that I have is who, what, where, when, and how. And we're given most of those things immediately. Yeah, I think there's a lot of confusion as well as just differing thoughts on how literal we should translate this chapter of Scripture. Should we assume that it's seven literal days do we assume that if not, maybe it happened over a period of time? Um, does it even matter if those two things aren't true? <laughs> as long as God's the one that's doing it? There's a lot of confusions and questions and differing opinions when it comes to those things. I ha have my personal opinions. I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. They may differ. They may be the same. Yeah, right. Um I don't think it's something that matters at the end of the day in a lot of ways as long as we do line up and say that God is the one that created and as we would see in that chapter that even the Trinity present in the creation of the earth we see that in several cases mainly this idea of God speaking John 1 1 would tell us in the beginning was the word the word was God and was with God so God is speaking as then meaning that he's creating everything through the sun then we see the spirit hovering over the waters mm -hmm. and then in the creation of man then being created in the image of God which is a fascinating thing all in and of itself yeah you could we could talk hours about that right for sure I mean because that's what you see unfold right after when he says I'm giving you everything and you subdue it because they are to be maybe not the best phrase of this but little gods on the earth to take care of it which i mean if you keep reading in genesis 
and this would be no surprise to anybody, but that kind of got screwed up pretty quick. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, a, a long chapter three, right? Yeah. Like, things were perfect for two chapters. An interesting two chapters, which just comes more disagreement and, and differing views and things of that nature is how long was Adam and Eve in the garden? Yeah. Um, that's why I don't get caught up on young earth, old earth, all of those things, because we don't know none of those details. I don't, I don't spend time there either, man. And just to talk, you know, to go into the creation account of man and, like, to talk about the idea of us being made in God's image, hmm. like in his likeness. Yeah. Um, I believe the capacity of that is not just a physical appearance. Like, I don't believe that. I don't think it's physical at all. No, I, I think it's the morality. of It's the heart of the matter. It's the soul. It's mm-hmm. it's the the thing that makes you tick. Yeah. Well, that's definitely what we see the attributes of any individual, any kind of goodness, any kind of even anger and wrath, <coughs> any kind of compassion or love. Yeah. Uh, even the ability to work the ground, all of these things is, or things of being created in the image of God. These talents, these gifts, yeah. it's it's all-encompassing. It is not a, a physical appearance of the person. It is what that person was put here to do. Mm. And that, that, is, that is their image. What, I'm assuming this will be released sometime relatively soon to recording. Yeah. And so um, to time stamp it some... You know, we're in the midst of or even coming out of this time of quarantine. And I think that's what makes this so difficult for many people is because man wasn't created to be alone, first off. But they also were not created to not work. They were created to work. Yeah. Um, And that's what we see in the Genesis account so far. Yeah. And so we're talking about Genesis. And to give you more of an idea, we, we read the whole first chapter of Genesis and we didn't give you a whole lot of context is uh, we're talking about the beginning of things and now we're in this quarantine of which we hope we're coming out of but a lot of folks seem to be driven kind of stir crazy mm. they don't really know how to act and like with things opening back up I'm wondering how things are going to react I think it will be different than what we've seen before in our history um mainly because people aren't going to be as free when it comes to certain things. Um, I say that most people will not be. In our general area and even all over the United States, there's people that think that this isn't real still, and so they may not live life any different. Um, But who knows, man? Let's just go back to the creation scene. And we're talking about the first day and the second day and up to the seventh of a day of rest is the original grand scheme of things, the the original idea. And we're, we're in a fallen state. We're deprived. Uh, we're not living to that state. And I don't even think that we could live to that standard. Definitely couldn't now. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so interesting about the Genesis account, in my opinion, is because we see this creation of man and that's going to be so significant as we kind of personally think we unfold this conversation of why the creation is so important but when we see this idea of God creating man in his image what's so significant about that is that 
Adam and Eve was the only individuals that were not created sinful. And so they were created into something that we can't even imagine because they were created into something perfect and something complete and something without error. Yeah. And even had this ultimate free will, essentially, to choose right from wrong. But as you just said, because we are depraved, we don't. We can't even imagine what this is like. Right. You know, like just to go off topic real quick, and like to give a better idea, I guess for everybody, it's like SpaceX. Like, um, you know, going off in the space is no longer government regulated. Elon Musk is over SpaceX. Yeah. And they had a failed launch today because of the weather. But let's just say 2024. There were plans to put people on Mars to to establish a new colony to settle Mars. That would be the closest thing that you could do to creating something incredibly new because you have a chance of, let's just say, a dozen people. But the minute a dozen people are created or brought to that environment, it's tainted by something that Genesis chapter 3 would stain all of the world with permanently until we have the cross and we have a way of redemption on which we would continually sin which would be payment for that sin hmm. but like we're looking for that eternity yeah but this Mars idea this deep space travel has my mind thinking back to Genesis and it's like what if so continue your if we started with if we started with a dozen I mean my first question is how long does it take to try to they say 363 days a year you know how much built up anger and aggression and just aggravation that would come from living in a rocket with somebody for a year I mean take quarantine like for example you got family spending two weeks together and like right they say that divorce rates are going up right now and we're still in the midst of all of this yeah in the middle imagine what 363 days with 12 individuals would be let's just imagine you was in deep sleep until time to wake up let's just say hyperbolic time chamber or something I mean can they do that I don't know but let's just say for the sake of this talk you you would have to um, could you I mean could you imagine being in that small of a space with a dozen people you know for that time and like not killing each other that's what I'm saying. Like it's like mini house, like the the small home, tiny homes. That's what they were called. It's like tiny homes times four. Yeah. Because we're talking about like two people living in those things times like six. So like twelve people in a, in a little rocket. Yeah. Um, it, it's a cool idea, no no doubt. And like you said, it would be the closest that we would have, but there would be so much pre preconceived thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Actions. Um, of those twelve. Each of them would have their own idea of what they wanted that new world to be like. And each of them would be trying to accomplish that goal. Yeah. Completely ignorant and blissful to the other's idea, just so focused on their own intention. And I think that is the the heart of the fall. That is is the heart of it all. But what I find so interesting about it in a lot of ways, this idea of going and exploring even the universe, though I think it's a stretch, 
it's almost fallen into this mandate to subdue it. Um, I mean, obviously, the scripture is talking about the earth and providing for oneself and um, causing the ground to to provide fruit and vegetation and even take care of animals and being in control of it. And look what we've done with it. Yeah. For the most part, good, <laughs> but for the most part, bad as well, you know? Yeah. Um, see, I think that's the confusion a lot of people have is that if Genesis 3 would have never happened, what we have now would still exist to a lot perfectly. of extent, but perfectly, and it would still be the world. It wouldn't just be contained to a garden. It's just this garden was this space to start off with, and we see that Adam and Eve couldn't maintain that without bringing sin into it. But why is that unimportant? Why is Genesis 1, or Genesis in general, even important? It is the mo- it is the foundation. And I think that's where, like, you know, some people, they don't, they don't want to start. You don't want to start there. We have to come to terms with our own sinfulness and our own wretchedness. And it seems like on our own terms. Like, hmm. um, God has to move first. Yep. Like, without God, I I have no recognition of my doings because I'm just acting within and of myself and acting within my own environment. But when God comes into play, something holy, and I'm unholy. When I come in contact with something that's holy, I'm immediately... There's something not right between us. Yeah. And I want to have contact with that person, so what do I have to do to be in contact? Yeah. But the good news is that work's been done. That's right. The reason why I think it's so important is what we find in Romans chapter 1, where Paul is writing to the church in Romans and in Rome, and he, he's never met these individuals, so he really in the most in-depth way possible begins to unfold the gospel in the first like four chapters Um, which is quite interesting because when you read Ephesians or Galatians and when he's writing a very similar style does it in much in a a breed version and he writes it in like one chapter or even like eight verses Um, but starting in verse 16 or 18 I'm sorry um, I'm apparently blind It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That's what we're talking about, right? In our depravity, we're suppressing the truth until we encounter and meet someone that is holy. Um, But he goes on and says in verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they become to futile, futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling the mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things what's so interesting is in man's ignorance 
though God has made himself clear through his creation, has taken everything of the creation and made it into something to worship rather than the creator themselves. Right. And that's why this topic is so important, is because this is where the gospel begins. Because, And this is, the honestly, the most offensive part of the gospel. So, Yeah, it's getting down to the nitty-gritty of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got a problem, big boy. Exactly. So do I. Yeah, because there's somebody that created you, yeah. and if they created you, then therefore you're accountable to them. It's kind of like, and maybe this is not the best reference because of, you know, things that have come out in the last few years, but um, did you ever watch the Cosby show growing up? You did? I did too, right? Yeah. And I know it's not, it's not, it's, you know, people are avoiding this, but there was a line that uh, he would always make to his son. He says, I brought you into the world and I can what? Take you out. Take you out. And the reality, and I know, like I said, it's maybe not the best example because of circumstances, but that's the issue, is that God has created us, and if he's powerful enough to create us, then he's certainly powerful enough to destruct us. Yes. To take us away. Yeah. And to judge us of that said unrighteousness. That depravity, that original sin, it came from something that I think all sin spews from, is pride. You mean I can be like God? You mean exactly. I can make my own decisions? You mean I can think for myself and decide what's right, wrong, and what's best? Yeah. So be it. I will. And so we all do. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, Paul is in the latter of the verses I've read, is reference, referring to this creation of images of men and birds and creatures and things of that nature because that's what we see in the Roman society of the day mm-hmm. where you and I or people around us have not made carved images and placed them on a mantle in our home of a bird or the sun but the heart of what you're getting at there is what we've then done is made ourselves the gods that we're seeking to glorify and to lift up and to better rather than the one that has created us so we as the creation have made ourselves the creator of our own lives and trusted in our own ability not only to sustain ourselves but also in a lot of ways to save ourselves that's just it pridefulness right part of it all man like you, you know that I was thinking about just sustaining and my own existence is like I'll do whatever I can do to survive and whatever that takes but clearly with everything that we just read and everything that follows is that my creator is going to give me what I need for that day and just if we were to keep reading if we got deep enough in Genesis and if we were to go to Exodus we would see that well, when his people got hungry he'd give them manna and that wouldn't be good enough. And so, I mean, I, I, I see that. I, I see that in myself. I see this. This. What are we doing out here? What, I feel like I'm in the wilderness. I'm just wandering around. Yeah. Like, what? What is? How am I supposed to make sense of this, God? You have my back. How? What does all this mean? But. And that's a natural thing to, be thinking through in our lives. 
but as you stated earlier, it comes back to this almost arrogance, pridefulness, that God's not enough. That's the problem. Why, 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 why do you think? Why can we not hold God to be enough? Why can we not? Why cannot God be enough? Is it the the lack of being able to see Him? Is it that faith? Because the Bible says it just takes a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain. Imagine if we gave every bit of ourselves to that. I think a lot of it just goes back to the fact that we're finite individuals that are much more ignorant and essentially dumb <laughs> or more dumb than we like to think of ourselves. Yeah. I mean, because come on, we're, we're working towards putting people on the Mars, right? Yeah. So surely we're intelligent individuals, not you and I, but society yeah. as a whole. Yeah. But the thing is, is that once again, we're naturally pulled back to this inner battle of the depth of our own sin, the depth of our own desire to save ourselves or even to maintain ourselves. And so then what we do is God surely isn't big enough or we approach it in a mindset of saying, well, God is big enough, but I'm not worth it. So God isn't going to waste his time in aiding me through this. Which is honestly just another way of being prideful and saying, or even um, selfish, even though it's it's masked in this desire to look good, it's just another form of pridefulness. It's saying, well, I'm not worth it, so God's not going to take care of me. Uh-huh. I'm just thinking about going back to John, and it is that immediate thing that he calls to your mind in the beginning and then he immediately goes to light and dark mm-hmm. the difference light came to the world the darkness did not understand it the mm-hmm. darkness did not overcome it there was light that's right and it is crazy just like you and I could see that dust of dome it's mm-hmm. like there is so much darkness between you and I to that dust of dome yep but as humans, we would rather be blindfolded and turn completely against the light than to be sitting and being in awe of the light. What's so interesting, though, is in the creation, we see this reality of a creator just screaming at us, right? I mean, we, we, you can In hear... In every possible way. Yeah, I mean, I know that this is the most common and overused example, but going to the Grand Canyon or seeing a sunset or... I mean, so we're in the South, so obviously, um, not all of you listeners are, but surely if you have any Northern individuals or people over different countries listening, they've, they've noticed your Southern tang coming out some, um, even though I don't think either one of us sound like would many of the individuals around us but I don't either yeah we really don't um so I talk to somebody from up north and they tell me I sound southern which is ironic because I know what some people sound like and I'm like you don't even know southern brother yeah exactly but anyway so like southern would whoop me 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, you hear individuals that hunt or fish or spend much time outside, if it's hiking or kayaking or whatever the case may be, and they just allude to the just the closeness that they can feel to God in moments of that capacity. And it's because it's the creation yelling, God exists. Yeah. Um, and what's so interesting about that is that it's not enough. It's not enough to save anybody. And that's what that's what Paul gets at in the rest of Romans, is that this is enough to say God exists, but it's not enough to save anybody. And I think that's what you get at in John chapter 1, is that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And then we see this introduction of Christ, mm-hmm. because creation itself was not enough no. to save anybody, just to reveal their need to be saved. Right. And I go so far as, like, you're, you're talking about Paul and Romans. Let's go to Acts just for a second. When he goes to, um, oh, Mars Hill. Yeah. And there is this, what, a statue or whatever erected for this unknown God. Yeah. And it just goes to make a statement. It's like, I know that God. Mm-hmm. And he happens to be the, the God of all gods. He happens to be the creator of you and I. Yeah. And it's like, it's crazy that you're paying patronage, but you're paying patronage to everything else when all the patronage and all the glory and everything belongs to him. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's where my mind goes. But, I mean, that, that is so where we are. We are just Mars Hill all the way. Mm-hmm. It's like, even as... Um, you know, as devout as you would call in the Southern culture, once again, it's like, I go to church every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Not right now, they're in quarantine, but... I'm watching on Facebook. I'm watching. Is, um... Oh, yeah, I'm I'm as holy as I can be. But, I mean, wait till September rolls around, buddy. I bet you come on... Possibly, at least. I, I bet you come unglued by what comes on your television. Maybe in Tuscaloosa or Auburn or... Maybe Some, even set, maybe even southern, maybe even Starville. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe uh, wherever that goes. There's nothing wrong with football. There's no, with enjoying it. Listen to Alan's other podcasts about sports and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, you had what one or two released on Porch Talk this week about sports itself, and yeah. there's not even sports going on. Yeah, and so obviously there's no. Um, there's no issue with sports. I'm not calling it out just for being evil. I'm just saying, like, it's that Mars Hill. It's yeah. that. Because there's plenty of other things. Or yeah. jobs. Yeah. Or families. Or, I mean, everything. See, that's the reality is that everything that God has created, good nor bad, that's in this world, can be turned into something bad. That's it. And I know we keep coming back to it. Maybe it's because it's just the, the world we live in right now. But this that's the biggest thing that. I've sought personally during the time of quarantine and really just prayed for those in my life is that God would reveal those un, those gods in our lives that we're allowing to just take ownership of our lives. And I think in a lot of ways he has. For me personally, for others I know, maybe not everybody, but... Yeah, it's uh, it's been a learning time for me. Um, I would say after surgery, it was going on before surgery, man, like just personal um like i felt 
like God was leading me to do some kind of a thing. You know, and just come to find out it was like, uh, I just, like you and I, right here together, it's like, why don't, why don't me and you commune anymore? Why don't we mm-hmm. sit down, you know? Yep. You, you don't read anymore? You don't pray? You don't, you don't even think about me? I mean, what what we got going on here? And so, I mean, just during this quarantine, it's been just a way of, like, just re-fostering a broken relationship. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is he is so good sure. that um, not only was I coming just, like, the prodigal son just out of the pigsty, you know, just couldn't even afford my own food, was eating what the pigs ate. Not only was I going home, but... He was running after me. That's right. He wanted me just as much as I wanted him. And, I mean, that's the biblical principle is, like, if you'll draw near to God, God will draw near mm-hmm. to you. Right? That's right. And, I mean, that, that, is, that, that has been, like, the biggest thing about quarantine for me is, like, even in my own walk, I, I'm not particularly proud over the past two or three years. It's It's been a hard walk. It's been a... A lesson. If I could go back, I don't know if I would. Um, it was a, it was a lesson worth learning. You know, it was hard, um, but the things that I that I learned about God and His faithfulness, and about the company that you keep, mm. said everything. Yeah, I think there's a there's a balance between regretting things that happen in our life and then it's then understanding in some weird or even confusing way that God is still sovereign yeah. over all circumstances and so there's this mix between man's responsibility and God's sovereign work and yes we're responsible yes we we have to look we have to we have to lay in the beds we make right Right. Which is a weird expression because if you made the bed, why are you laying in it? But anyway, there is this balance between our, I mean, Proverbs tells us, right? We plan our steps, but God directs our path. So there's this idea that we still plan, we still make choices in our lives, but God is ultimately the one that is working things out. Not always good things. I mean, you talked about Exodus earlier. We, you talked about the beauty of God providing for his children and taking care of them in a, day at a, a time. time of wilderness, day at a time, right? Yeah. But you also look back, like, depending on when you read in Exodus, it could be like a few days or it could be like 40 years. But yeah. if you look back at time period, for 500 years, his people were spent enslaved yeah. by the Egyptians because God was trying to teach something to his people. I mean, because, I mean, if you go back to Genesis when Abraham is introduced, or Abram at this point, you see that God says, look, I'm going to provide a great nation for you, and then guess what's going to happen to them? They're going to be enslaved for 500 years. Yeah. Nothing happens by accident or coincidence or anything of that nature. It may happen due to our ignorance or even our stupid decisions in times. I saw an article today to talk about what you just said that they said that millennials are the unluckiest generation of all time. You know, you say that, 
I don't agree with that I, statement. I disagree with it because there was people that lived during the during the Spanish flu, and then like a f- three fourths of the wars that we fought in American history that were in the Great Depression and everything else. Um, and so I wouldn't say they're the unluckiest generation, maybe in the last sixty years. Yeah, but not the last hundred and ten. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, think about that. What? How in the world did they make it through Spanish flu, which was like 1918, I think, and then the Great Depression just a few years later, and what was it, World War One after yeah. that, and then many other things that unfolded even after all. And then that. the 40s, here come World War Two. Yeah, that wasn't enough. Like for those of you listening, it's like well, I'm just having the hardest time for faith. I'm just having the hardest time with God. I'm just having the hardest time of understanding all this. Well, the good news is it's like we're not made to understand things. We're made to trust things. We're made to take faith into things. And if you look at the historicity, it's like why me and James are taking you back to Genesis is the God who started it all is faithful enough to see through it all. I didn't want to spend a lot of time here, but I do want to mention it as we look at the Genesis. Genesis. One of the most fascinating things I take away and walk away with in that chapter in a few verses, because we moved into chapter two by like two or three verses, is really the seventh day. Yeah. There's many takes on this. Um, mine may not relate, just kind of, mine, my view on Genesis chapter two, verses one through three or four, whatever that was, may be different than. Um, Allen's or even the two previous people we've had on the podcast and even some afterwards but the reality is on that seventh day I believe God rested because his finished work of salvation was complete is when you read scripture I think it's Ephesians that Christ was predestined from the foundation of the world mm-hmm to be the sacrifice to save mankind, all who would believe and trust in him. And so what we would walk away from that is, is that Christ is plan A, not plan B, C, or through Z. He's plan A. And so when God sat down or whatever the case may be, um, on the seventh day, he knew that Adam and Eve would sin just a few chapters away. He knew Abraham would sleep with his handmaid, his wife's handmaiden to Hagar. pursue his own efforts of a lineage. He knew that Jacob would lie about who his wife was. We knew that David would sleep with Bathsheba, that many others of the New, Old and New Testament would do the things that they did that would seem contrary Prior. and against his will. But what have you done with your own? Exactly. And he knew that you and I would be the wretched individuals that we are, as well as the individuals listen. But the reality is, is that he sent Christ into the world regardless and redeemed those that would trust in him through his work. Now we can rest. That's why I personally would land on, and this may be too in-depth in what we're trying to go here, that's why I would land in the Sabbath essentially just being something we do in Christ and in the finished work of God in our own lives. 
not necessarily that we don't do certain things on Sundays. Well, man, just, just I guess, to walking on out the door, and uh, we've been hitting all over it. We've taught Genesis <laughs> 1, we've taught John 1, we've taught Romans. Is um, Taught Mars. We taught Mars. <laughs> Mars Hill, even. I wasn't even expecting either one of those. Yeah, me either. Appreciate you allowing me to be on here, man. Uh, just this idea of illuminate. That's kind of the heart of myself as an individual. And as I have known you for, I don't know, three, four years now, give or take two years, three years? Yeah. I don't know. 17, 22, 40 years. I've known you for 40 years, I guess. 40 years, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, I think it's the heart of you, your heart, um, as well as the heart of every believer to take this John 1 1 and through 116 thought process to the extreme and saying I'm called to illuminate the darkness around me not in my own strength or my own power but in the one that God created everything through speaking and so um, I appreciate the opportunity to be on as well as just to hang out and catch up man as we were talking beforehand Apparently it's been like 16 months since the last time you came to my Yeah, house. no kidding, right? And that's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah, I, I called you. I was like, am I here? You got new rides? You got the houses being remodeled? <laughs> am I in the right place? Anyway. We're out of here, James. See you guys.
deliver me This cross that I'm bearing Oh, deliver me Deliver me Jesus, Jesus How I trust Him How I prove Him Oh, you know Jesus, Jesus Precious Jesus Oh, deliver Come pull me through Come pull me through